clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. Welcome in to Simultaneous Catch, folks. I'm Adam Jeffrey Rossi. My name is Josh Lapping. And this is uh, one of our first episodes apart, my friend. Uh, we had the a couple where you called in and stuff like that, but this is our first official new season. We don't live in the same place anymore. Yeah, that's uh, it's exciting. <laughs> we'll have to see if this works. I think we're going to crush it, though. I think it's going to be going to be fantastic. So, yes, this is a uh, first of eight preview shows we're gonna do division by division like we tried to do last year but just ran out of time uh but we're gonna start earlier this year so that if we can't do it every week we'll have a couple of weeks of buffers until the season starts so uh i think we get into some news and notes first we'll do some rent rave recall uh and then we'll get going on these divisional previews um obviously no it's been a it's been a long time since we've been together, so I feel like there's all sorts of NFL news to talk about. So. Right, right, right. That's what happens when you take our, our off season. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, one of the biggest news of the uh, NFL right now is Carl Nassib, a defensive end for the Las Vegas Raiders, came out uh, yesterday, right? This all happened yesterday? Yeah, yeah it happened. Yesterday evening. Happened yesterday evening. Uh a lot of people in the sports world reacting to it, mostly positive, uh, some a little bit negative. And uh, I think it'd be hard to say it's not a good thing because up until the state, they have players that either, you know, tried to make the NFL but didn't, a la Michael Sam, or other NFL players who later on in their lives after they left the NFL uh, said it as well. Uh, I believe there was actually a former Bills uh, defensive end that's no longer in the league that was with us a couple of years ago that came out as well. Uh, but it's it's I mean we've I think we've mentioned this before even when we talked about the Michael Sam stuff back when I think that's when we were doing it as the radio show still. Um, just mentioning that you know the numbers would suggest that there are plenty of LGBTQ members in the NFL already. And so this is a big step for someone to just come out with it and say like, yeah, I'm this and it's just me. Yeah. I mean, it certainly is historical because it's the first, like you said, first active player to do it. We've seen it years ago. Was it really when we were in college when that happened with Michael Sam? That's crazy. But um, 
to have an established player that is no longer at the tail end or retired or trying to enter the draft or something like that. This is this is a big deal. Um, and like you said, I haven't I haven't heard anything negative about this, but I haven't done too much digging into this specific story. Um, so I mean, I I know players like J.J. Watt and Saquon Barkley came out and were saying positive things on Twitter in support of Nassib mm-hmm. and John Gruden obviously was in support and Al Davis. I haven't heard mm-hmm. anything negative, so I don't I don't know. I mean, I've seen well, it's some also just I things mean, it's on all... Facebook where people yeah. are like, ah, oh, who cares? Like, why do we have to know that? And right, like, right, right. You know, and it's, it's just, I mean, but it, it's also entirely positive po- possible uh, Nassib going to Penn State. He was a a teammate of Saquon Barkley, so it's possible that like right. some of his some of his teammates have probably known for a while, uh, and it's just something that he hasn't like fully come out with. But the one thing I wanted to point out is that you know the negative is the people saying like oh we don't need to know about this this is fine, but like the problem is that we do need to know about it. And I was watching First Take, and it was either First Take or um, Undisputed with Skip and Shannon, but one of the one of the Skip. people on the yeah right, <laughs> and we're back. Um, yeah, I, it may have been Skip, but regardless, they said that somebody tweeted today, uh, a writer from the Washington Post, that uh, from an interview he did in 2013 with an uh, undisclosed coach on a, on a roster, he said, "Do you think the NFL would ever accept an openly gay player uh, active in the league?" And he said, "No." The quote was like, no, because nobody wants to shower with an expletive. And he used like a, a slur. And so okay. I think I wanted to point out that like that was eight years ago now. And it would seem that that's not the reaction that the majority of the NFL has had, you know, 24 hours out of it. So I think that that is just eight years ago. So I think it, it, it we do need to make a big deal about this. It does need to be news because, you know, it you need to shine a light on the things that are going well like this because that's the only way you make progress. If you just say, like, we've made progress, let's ignore it, that's not really helping further progress, in my opinion. Right. I mean, is that really so, progress if, if you're doing that? Right. So, right, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, I think one of my favorite things that Carl Nassib and even JJ Watt alluded to in like his supportive tweet was it would be great to get to a point in history where this doesn't need to be breaking news, where this doesn't need to be absolutely made into a big deal. A person, I mean, obviously these are football players that we're talking about, but a person can just be a person or a football player or anything. Right, and no, That's absolutely. what they're known for, not for their sexuality or, or their interests or who they're attracted to. I mean... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it is, it is kind of exciting. I mean, it's not, not to take away from Carl Nassib, but I mean, he's not... Von Miller or J.J. Watt. He's but Carl is a good up, player. But he is a good player. I mean, this is a guy that puts up five, six sacks uh, usually. Uh, first couple of years were a little bit lower as he was working his way into the NFL. It's not like he came in as a first-round pick, like blue-chip right. player. But he certainly has established a name for himself. So having yeah. a player like this level is, is exciting. and Right. It's not, a, be, it's not a Michael Sam who couldn't make a roster. You know, this is a contributor. He's making good money. This is like, he's a starter for the Las Vegas Raiders. For sure. Yeah. And I'll just be really curious to see if, if this creates a domino effect, if, if this will inspire other young men, middle-aged men to, to take this step 
of yeah. acceptance in themselves if they want to make it public or or what or maybe even players that are in college or high school will see more in the coming years and Carl Nassib will have set that precedent. Absolutely. I will say it's going to be really interesting though just to talk about this. It was just interesting because Raiders teammate Richie Incognito years ago with yeah. the Dolphins was no, part of yeah. Bullygate with with Absolutely. Jonathan Martin, who Absolutely. was the the rumor about him being gay, and they made fun of him before Jonathan Martin started struggling really with mental health issues later yeah. on years later. It's just gonna be really fascinating to see. I think it it could be a really exciting page to be turned with a player like Incognito, where if if all that stuff was true, that was happening, and I mean we have nothing really to discredit that it didn't happen. If we can see acceptance and right, you know that's a really good over. point. Yeah, so I'm I'll be really curious to see how if that becomes a story at all, or if yeah. that kind of gets shied away from. I think it'd be really cool to see Incognito kind of surround his his teammate and his friend in Nassib and and be supportive. Because I also feel like as brave as it as it is for Carl Nassib to come out, it could be a really big step to show somebody that maybe was kind of. Uh, smaller minded I don't know that's probably not the best way of saying it but have those kind of negative opinions kind of turn over right. and relief no absolutely great points um, and uh, it takes people having face to face work with each other day to day to be more accepting for everybody not just people in LGBTQ or uh, people of color or whatever the group is that's been marginalized before in the past it takes face-to-face interaction with people to see them more as people instead of a, a label for sure but I think overwhelmingly more positive than negative so kudos to Carl Nassib uh, he certainly has two more fans today than he did yesterday and the simultaneous catch hosts uh, for sure yeah let's move on yes. to as if he as if he needed it because he's a Penn State guy anyway uh, moving on to the some some football news Julio Jones finally gets traded we were there were rumblings of it on one of our last episodes we talked about and it, it was just it's been going on for so long it went all the way through the draft and they didn't take a quarter the Fal- Atlanta Falcons didn't take a quarterback in the draft so we thought maybe okay they're just going to go full on for it but then they were running into issues with the cap where finally it seems like the cap is a thing because they weren't able to sign their first round pick uh, Kyle Pitts for a while because they didn't have the money until they traded Julio Jones. So Julio Jones traded to the Titans for a couple of pick swaps, but the gist of it is like a second and a fourth round pick uh, headed to Atlanta, which seems to be, uh, some people say it might be a little, oh, some people say it might be a little bit high, but a 32-year-old receiver who was injured last year now joins a pretty loaded offense in Tennessee. Uh, for sure. Yeah, initial. What are your initial reactions for Tennessee? Because I'm hearing the the initial reaction across sports media was, okay, they're the favorites to to battle KC, and then there are some people being like, yeah, but their defense was really the problem. They still had a good offense last year. I mean, what are your initial reactions? Yeah, I mean, they certainly. I mean, I think that really is the key right there. I mean, their struggles were the defense. I mean, Tennessee can ride Derrick Henry pretty much any game they want to if they give him 30 carries I mean it doesn't matter if he's averaging just three and a half that's going to be a boat ton of yards and those will translate to touchdowns so I don't know I mean certainly adding a piece of Julio Jones is going to be good for any offense it's going to help open things up 
in in a big way and i think it will help that offense challenge any offense they need to be in but it's it's going back to we've talked about it numerous times it's kind of the dallas of last year where can you have such a loaded offense that it counter balances your poor defense i don't know well that's certainly tennessee had as bad of a defense as dallas but it's still a situation where if you're giving up 40 points, just hypothetically, are you able to score 45 whenever right, you need to? Right. I well, and the, I mean, the reality is we also haven't really gotten to see the Dallas comp yet because obviously Dak got hurt. But I mean, we we talked many, many times about how they were almost 0-4 in the games where they had him. So, yeah, I mean, it's certainly something to to battle Excuse me through. Uh, I mean, yeah, if, if Julio Jones is healthy, then there's not a there's not a uh, offense in the NFL that's much much scarier than them you mean you could be i mean it's maybe, absolutely maybe, yeah. <laughs> a loaded <laughs> I mean, talented offense for sure yeah and maybe you even you know point out the fact that john smith is gone so maybe that is a little bit of a hindrance but you're right i mean there was uh i was mentioning this to you the other day there's a podcast that peter streger good morning football does with sean mcveigh they interviewed uh arthur smith and they talked about like how Arthur Smith always got asked questions about EPA and analytics and stuff and why they ran the ball so much. And that they said, he, he was like, well, we looked at all that. Like we we dug really deep, heavy into the numbers. And they were like, and Derrick Henry, every time we got this many carries, always had like this good of a stat line. And they were like, he seems to be the only running back in the history of all these analytics to like just get better every time for real. So, I mean, they're dedicated to that. And if you you have somebody that's that good in the backfield, and now all of a sudden A.J. Brown, who was one of our favorite young wide receivers the last couple of years, you just add Julio to the other side, I just I don't see how you do stop it. So I'll be interested to see what happens to that because obviously uh, Indianapolis is a very popular pick right now for that division. And, you know, we'll get to the south in, in a couple of weeks' time. But I definitely wanted to touch on this because – it's a huge move, and I, there was a time where I didn't think Julio was going to leave. Uh, you know that I'm the pseudo-Falcons fan that I am. <laughs> um, I kind of was hoping for him and Ridley and Matty Ice to to do some stuff this year, but uh, this is huge. Do you think that they should have given up more, or did you think that they got what they probably deserved for him? Well, I mean, that it, it all depends on which party you're in. I mean, I think right. obviously – I don't think there's a fan base that wouldn't have given a second round pick for Julio Jones. I mean, there would be some stubborn people that say, Oh, I don't want to give up a second round pick for a 30 plus receiver. That's missed. He's injury prone when he's not really, it's like the first time in yeah, like right. six we years d- that he's yeah, missed more than two games. We dug into that and it's really not that much. So, I mean, obviously I think as, as a Tennessee organization, you absolutely give up that second and fourth round pick is it the best thing for Atlanta? I don't know. I mean, we kind of go back to last year's the first time we really saw this with the DeAndre Hopkins trade. And obviously Hopkins is younger than Julio Jones and hasn't been, it wasn't coming off an injury plague season or anything, but we've seen that there's a hesitancy in the league to trade really high draft capital for a superstar wide receiver, which I think is really, really fascinating. I think it kind of shows that the mindset is we will be able to throw darts at guys in the draft. They're coming out of college so ready right. to right. produce and, and whatnot. I know DeAndre well, Hopkins I- kind of had a an issue with that, saying, like, I've, let's see a first-rounder do, like, what Julio and I do. And- <laughs> well, I know, but I also—and that's interesting that you say that, too, because Julio and DeAndre both go for second-round picks, but— 
Stefan Diggs gets this King's ransom from Buffalo and but all of these guys like Hopkins and Diggs like incredibly like exponentially increase the production of their quarterbacks and Kyler Murray and Josh Allen respectively. So, I mean, Ryan Tannehill was already was already fantastic the last couple of seasons just gets another another tool in the toolbox and you know like you said I don't know why teams don't want to give up something for these players when you have like within the last year or two like the history of it working for teams (laughs) so I, I I think the only thing that really comes to my mind as to what will make kind of a difference in the Diggs versus the Hopkins or the Julio is that Diggs was had recently signed a new contract, so that money was going to kind of come along with it, where with Hopkins, especially Julio, this was a team, these were teams trying to just kind of wipe away those salaries. So like you were talking about, Atlanta could get out of salary cap trouble. And I mean, I really think that was the biggest thing with Atlanta, for sure. So part of the the trade was Tennessee taking on that money, which that isn't right. always the case with trades and whatnot. So I think a large part of that was not only were you getting specifically with Julio, were you getting an aging wide receiver coming off injuries? We both think that's not going to be an issue and either does Julio himself. He's come out and said, you know, I'm still young, maybe not in the, the eyes of what a wide receiver is, but like, I trust my body. I'm going to go, yeah. go put it out on the field. I believe that, but I mean, it is technically, I mean, we have to think about it realistically. It is a risk and it came with that, that money. So that probably drove the price that drove the price tag down. Yeah. And so certainly we'll, we'll see a play out. I'm just ever, all these things over and over again, when stuff happens like this in the offseason, it just makes me more and more excited for the season. So, so yeah, let's try to transition from a player that was traded kind of wanted to be traded to a player that we don't know if he actually wants to be traded or if he's just playing hard to get uh your man Aaron Rodgers uh we're gonna kind of Rodgers well let's we're gonna kind of use this to slide into our divisional preview here in a second but I we did have rant rave recall on the docket do you have a rant rave recall um you know I'll just go back and I will kind of highlight what we were talking about earlier it's something that we didn't mention that i definitely think does deserve mentioning going back to the carl nassib situation for sure i will rant about him just for the fact that we didn't talk about not only did he announce himself he came out to also like we said inspire hopefully a generation of of younger individuals that are just struggling with themselves but he also donated 100 thousand dollars to the trevor project was it which is an organization that is there for struggling lgbtq plus uh individuals that are having a difficult time mentally uh struggling feeling possibly suicidal so it's it's definitely a great organization for trevor or excuse me for uh carl nasa to come out and, and to pledge that money to an organization that can serve such a great organization just heck yeah yeah, no, I mean, talking about putting your money where your mouth is, I mean, I, I'm i glad you pointed that out, too, because I think that was also something that, it's something that gets lost, I think, a lot of times with the uh, social social justice movements, because even Colin Kaepernick, when he did all of his protesting, was also donating millions of dollars to companies and groups that were doing similar things, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out, actually. Um, I was just going to rave about the off season because I feel like this has been one of the 
like I really like I I really wanted to just say that like, it's been a very exciting off season. Like I feel that you know we've had the early on in the season it was like the will the Dak sign will the Dak sign and we talking about it over and over and over again and that was exciting and then the draft was super cool because we we knew who was going right away but then after that it was like who's going to be after that and then the draft was so exciting because we had the upset of Trey Lance and even though I said that was going to happen you know a lot of people didn't know and even you and I when we were on our live were like who is this going to happen and it did and then you know Chicago trading up for Justin Fields and Julio Jones being traded and Aaron Rodgers drama it's just I feel like this has been one of the more active exciting off seasons that we've had uh, so I'm excited to dig into all of our previews because I mean I don't know about you so I have this website that I use to do like the season predicting and see what records and stuff are and I've done it like 20 different times and every single time I'm like yeah I can see that happening I just I don't remember a season in the recent history where I have been so uh, where there have been so many possibilities that are more probable than not so I just kind of want to rave about how exciting the offseason has been and it's just making me want real football to be back more and i didn't even mention the fact there's an extra game this year <laughs> say what a what a good kid to just be hyping up the off season what a, what a football fan <laughs> hey that's but that's the off season is your thing too so i wanted to make sure people knew that i got it too you're crushing it all right so let's uh let's get into the, the divisional breakdowns here previews starting we're going to tie our news and notes into that because let's start with the nfc north and let's just start with the green bay packers at first and we need to talk about aaron Rodgers. and it, there was a part of me that wanted to do this last so that we knew like what it would be like when the dust settles but i thought it might be more interesting to hear from the packers van in the middle of it all obviously yeah. aaron Rodgers didn't show up for any of the the uh uh, voluntary nor mandatory mini camp and OTAs, respectively. And he's just hanging out in Hawaii with his new fiance, Shailen Woodley. Good for them. But they're just kind of hanging out, and we haven't really heard from Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, I just give the floor to you because I'm kind of dying myself to know what you feel. Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly is fascinating just because of the player it is but in in another way that's really the only reason it's fascinating we have player holdouts every single year and we're having them right now there are other players holding out right now <laughs> we're exactly. not talking about it it always happens but and we talk about it a little bit i mean obviously it doesn't just go completely without being known like oh my gosh i didn't know that player wasn't there but this is truly just because it's aaron Rodgers. Coming off an MVP season where they were a game away from the Super Bowl. And especially the way that I, I'm convinced that if the game hadn't ended the way that it did, that it also wouldn't be as fascinating. Now we think that there's this big divide within the organization and yeah. there's this just crumbling relationships everywhere. No, that's a good point. There's, there's so many storylines that honestly, the, the note that I have that I wrote down about this because I knew we were going to be talking about it, was Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X. I truly believe there is so much more smoke to this story than there is fire. The reason I think that, obviously, I don't I don't have any kind of inside source. I don't know Aaron Rodgers as much as I think that'd be cool and be like, hey, we're almost birthday buddies, but we're not. I just really think that there is more smoke 
then there is fire to this because it seems that everyone close to Aaron Rodgers that is telling these stories, James Jones, Pat McAfee, anybody of that caliber isn't freaking out. They're saying, hey, it's okay, relax. It's going to get worked out. It seems to be all these people, the talking heads like you and I, obviously on the bigger level, that are creating these narratives that Aaron Rodgers wants out and Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be there and Aaron Rodgers is going to go to Denver. Remember on draft night, there were all these people saying that this trade is as close to possibly happening as a trade possibly can. And then there was no credence to it whatsoever. So I don't know where these people are getting their facts, but I just feel like the people close to Rodgers – Aren't freaking out. So why is everyone else? Right. I can't. Go I ahead can't, and say what you're going to say. I can't say that I'm. I'm like equally shocked that you're not worried, but equally okay. I get it because you're the, the you're the not worry guy. But <laughs> I I legitimately am like because early on we both talked about it. You said I think this is nothing. He's a drama queen. He's always been a diva. Like it's true. That's been Aaron Rodgers was like that on draft night when he was drafted. Like he's always been this kind of guy. But it's just. Like, I'm at the point where – so you just think – like, I guess I should just turn it back to you. So you legitimately believe that, like, he's going to hold out until training camp or end of training camp and then be like, all right, guys, I'm going to play. Like, that's how you think it's going to play out? Or do you not even know exactly? You just have a feeling that whenever it will be, like, Aaron right, Rodgers I, will be – he'll be taking snaps for Green Bay this year. So I have a really kind of nonchalant answer for this. Okay. I do be- – so I, I'm not shocked. I think there is something – wrong obviously him not being there is is a big deal but it's also we're talking about Aaron Rodgers who is approaching I believe he's 38 right now 37 38 yeah right in that age so he's entering his 17th year in the National Football League we talk about him being one of the most talented that's actively playing is it the biggest deal in the world if he isn't there for many camps well no (laughs) so everyone calm down on that front and so, especially when we attach the tag mandatory, then we're like, oh my gosh, he's not playing. It, what? Okay. He's Anyways. thirty. He's 37. I think he turns 38 this year. 38 this year. Okay, yeah. perfect. Thank you. He was also the quarterback. That. I mean, he was the quarterback too in fantasy. So. Oh, there we go. A little fun fact there. But it's just, I mean, I suspect he will play. Yeah. This year. So here's the way I was thinking of saying this as I was I was walking to work this morning. I would not I forget how I want to say this. I would be I would not be shocked if he was there. If he didn't play, I wouldn't be like, "Oh my gosh, like where did this come from? Like we didn't know anything about this." Right, right. But I would be surprised. I would be like, "Oh my gosh, wow, it really happened." I just like <laughs> I want Aaron Rodgers to play. Like, I love – as – you know, I've always liked Aaron Rodgers. But as you and I have been best friends and lived together and I've watched you watch him play and watch the Packers, like, I just have grown to love him even more through your love for Aaron Rodgers. And I just, like, I don't want to see the guy not play. But above that, I don't want to see him play for another team. I legitimately don't. Like – as cool as it was for Tom Brady to have left and and win a Super Bowl and Brett Favre even to go back and kind of connect this to that through the Packers to leave and have one of his best career years uh, with the Vikings and all that stuff. Like, that's always exciting. But, like, I legitimately just want Aaron to have a year where he is with the Packers, they win the Super Bowl, and then he leaves. And he's just like, I'm done. So 
I don't know how it'll play out, but I have come to the point where I will I am equally as certain that he will play for the Packers as I am that he might just say, I'm gonna go host Jeopardy. Bye guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean it's it's just something and obviously not everyone finds the offseason as exciting as we do. So we right. need to no, blow these true. things up. But this is this has been happening for for decades. Think yeah. about Joe Montana. I mean, Joe Montana was moved on from San Francisco and went to the Kansas City Chiefs. So Took I them mean, to like, the title game, actually. They didn't go to the Super Bowl, but is, they went all the way to the title something. game. Exactly. So this is something that that happens throughout history and it, it's just it's just he's such a polarizing figure in the NFL, right, which is right. what is making this just headline news every single day. I'm really curious if Aaron Rodgers had played the way he did two years ago when everyone was like, oh my gosh, Aaron Rodgers washed up. Who cares about Aaron Rodgers anymore? Would this still be such a such a big deal? I don't know. I mean, I think that sports talk shows would still make a way to make it a big deal, but that's a good point. Uh, but let's not drive the Aaron Rodgers point into the ground. Let's actually get into the preview here. So we're doing... Uh, AFC North and NFC North today. AFC North, obviously, we've been talking about the Packers a little bit. So for every division, we're going to do what we think is a breakout player, uh, best rookie, and then we'll pick division champs. Uh, I think those were the three we did last year. I honestly can't remember if there was a fourth one. I kind of felt like there was a fourth one. Um, But, yeah, so do you have a breakout player for the AFC North? I have, or do we want to go, I actually, like, wait, no, NFC, sorry. I have a list of, like, draft picks and free agents. Do we want to go through all those before we do any of these? Are we supposed to just pick one player for the whole division? No, we can do each team. Did you pick one for each team? I have have stuff picked for each team, but we don't have to do that. No, let's do it. No, let's do it. I love it. Uh, so let's start. Let's start with the Packers since we're talking about the Packers. So the Packers, big names. Uh, they drafted Eric Stokes uh, at the first overall, their first overall pick in the draft, cornerback. Uh, then other key names that took Amari Rogers, the Clemson wide receiver that I actually touted before the draft that I really love, uh, and Josh Myers, a center from Ohio State. We all know how great that offensive line was. Key free agents, of course, Blake Bortles. How could you not mention him? Uh, the, <laughs> the Blake the Snake uh, Aaron Jones re-signed that was a big surprise to a lot of people uh, I can't remember if we talked about that but I felt that he was going to leave so that was a surprise to me uh, and then Devondre so there was a couple other one year deal signings like small things obviously we know Green Bay doesn't do a lot of free agency but they did sign Devondre Campbell a linebacker that came over from Atlanta that I actually really like I wanted to highlight that I think he could actually be a really nice piece for them but Obviously, not a lot that they did. They have Devin Funchess coming back who uh, opted out because of COVID because there were people in his life that were too at risk. He didn't want to put him at risk. Uh, but he's still a 28-year-old wide receiver piece that I was super high on coming into the season. So uh, that's another addition that they're going to have. Um, yeah, I guess I'll start with you then since you have one for each team locked and loaded. Like, who's your breakout and rookie for this team? Uh, so for the breakout player, I mean r- – Relatively, none of these are super shocking picks, but I think a breakout player on the way for Green Bay is a player taken two years ago. Some people were thinking he was going to be a bust, and that's Rashawn Gary, linebacker. I think near the end of the year, he started really showing a lot of strong promise. Uh, There was a lot of 
rumors and speculation on about the offseason whether or not they were going to retain Preston Smith because they were ready to have Rashawn Gary kind of take over but the kid really turned the page for me he was not a player that I was like oh my gosh yes like we took him with the top 15 pick which was obviously pretty rare in Green Bay of the last decade but I think he is showing that motor and the strength that is what made him appealing to Green Bay he finished with a Eruption rate of over 15% last year on limited snaps. So obviously that's an extremely high rate and that probably won't be obtainable to continue achieving at that rate. But that is just showing how much that he can get back in the backfield and affect the play. Maybe doesn't necessarily have a ton of high sack numbers yet, but just making those kind of plays, rushing the pass, maybe making it inaccurate for, for the back or for the defensive backs, I think, it just the future is looking pretty bright for Rashawn Gary. Yeah, and I remember when I mean that was our first live draft, I think, and I remember you not knowing how to feel about Rashawn Gary being taken. Um, but I like that you point him out here because you're right. Like I remember even I feel like I said this to you during the title game where I was like Rashawn Gary's kind of all over the place here. Like he really did come on late, so so I actually really yeah. like that. I, I like that pick a lot. Uh, if I had to pick a breakout here, it's the aforementioned Devin Funchess. Like I was all okay, over, okay. I was I was all over Funchess heading the offseason, and obviously he opted out. But I feel like last season is such was it's, it's just so evident that they needed somebody to establish as a two because there were times we we, we joked that uh, Valdez Scantling was always going to drop his or was it him or. Uh, St. Brown. Yeah, it was pretty much everybody. And pretty much everybody was like, they're going to drop their first one. It's always going to happen. So, like, you look at guys like Equanimous St. Brown, a guy that we like, but always drops a couple. You know what I mean? Uh, you look at Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who you were super high on, who had a couple of really nice games and had just, like, six foot five and can burn people. It's just huge. And then, of course, you have uh, Lazard, who also seems to drop a couple and then all of a sudden have good games. Like you just they need that consistent guy opposite Devontae Adams and I think it can be will be Devin Funches. I just think that Devin Funches has the he's six foot four and he had that one season that made Carolina want to trade away Calvin Benjamin, who was great for Carolina with Cam Newton. I just think that even if it's not Aaron Rodgers, even if it is Jordan Love, I mean just get that experience. Like I really think and believe that Devin Funches can and will be that second option for Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love, whoever it is. Yeah, for sure. I think it'd be really exciting to see Funches uh, kind of establish himself uh, once again. Like you said, uh, a few years ago with Carolina, he became a guy. I remember watching a Panthers-Saints game. I believe it was in the playoffs that, that year, and I just felt like, Anytime Newton targeted Funchess, he was going to come down with it. It was just like, I felt like I was watching the next guy where I was like, damn, you can't cover this guy. No, I mean, he's so, literally just the contested catch. And like I said, I think that that's the kind of receiver they need because Devontae Adams is not, we've talked about he's more quick than fast. He's the separation guy. He'll make a move and get open and get it. But Funchess is the guy that doesn't need to be open. He can just go up and get it. And I think that the two of those combined with an Amari Rodgers in the middle uh, kind of getting over the you know, those quick catches over the middle or even burning because he's a fast guy um, can be really dangerous. And, you know, I won't talk too much about it, but Amari Rodgers is my rookie too for this team. I just, I love this player. I was looking at Trevor Lawrence highlights to like scout Trevor Lawrence from our draft coverage. And I was like, Amari Rodgers is awesome. And I'm, I, I want a, a Rodgers to a Rodgers so bad. It hurts. 
Um, but that's my rookie for this team. Yeah, I mean, he had a really strong senior bowl game, so I think it could definitely be exciting, especially if there is Rodgers. But like you said, if it's Jordan Love, this is definitely a team that has some some talent, uh, a nucleus. So for my rookie, so you went with Green Bay's third-round pick. I'm going to go with their second-round pick, Josh Myers, the center out of Ohio State. Uh, really the reason, I think Green Bay did a pretty good job of kind of checking off their list of needs, obviously when they lost Corey Lindsey. That was going to be a really big, big hole that they needed to fill. So they went from one Ohio State guy to another Ohio State guy. What I like about this pick is right now he's probably slotted at center. He's a really strong, sturdy, stocky center, which is good. But he's also versatile enough where if they decide throughout the course of this summer, maybe preseason, etc., I'm not sure, maybe they decide that they want to put Elton Jenkins at center, which he has played. He played sparingly. Uh, in in relief of Lindsay a couple times when he went down. If they decide they want to slide him over, Myers is versatile enough that he can play either guard as well. So that's what I really like about this young player out of Ohio yeah. State. No, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I like I like a lot of what they did. And he was one of the guys that I mentioned because they obviously needed to replace center. Um, let's go to the Vikings, who a lot of people assume will be the Biggest competition for the Packers in the division this year. Big free agent additions. They obviously, Sheldon Richardson came back to the Vikings uh, after a brief sojourn away. Uh, they sound Dalvin Tomlinson, another defensive lineman. Patrick Peterson going back to number seven from his LSU days. And Xavier Woods, a couple secondary members. Those are some highlights. Uh, and then highlights from the draft, they went double offensive lineman, more interior uh, to help with their interior zone scheme with. Uh, Dalvin Cook, obviously, they got Christian Derisaw, one of our favorite linemen, and Wyatt Davis, another Ohio State lineman. So they were just really building up that line on both sides and then a little bit on the outside because they obviously still have the sensational rookie Justin Jefferson along with Adam Thielen. So, yeah, I mean, the Vikings yeah. are a very interesting team uh, with Kirk Cousins. A lot of people are ready to get on board with them having – they started 1-5 and five and just kind of – went crazy after that and were very very good so so give me your your breakout player for the minnesota vikings so my breakout player for the vikings is another player that i thought showed some flashes last year making me think that some really big things could be on the way and that is tight end irv smith ah i'm <laughs> i'm really excited to see what irv smith can do there's no more kyle rudolph and obviously the the minnesota vikings haven't been uh, extremely large production of the tight end position uh in the last handful of years but i just feel like earth smith has all the physical tools he was obviously drafted relatively high i believe he was a second round pick a couple years ago wasn't he i thought he was a first um, round pick but he could have fallen to the second round i'm pretty sure he was a second round pick i'll look it up and keep talking. so just being the guy now in minnesota i think he's going to be a security blanket i think a lot of people weren't necessarily prepared for justin jefferson last year like you said, you still got those two out wide, getting a security blanket for Kirk uh, in Irv Smith that has some really impressive hands, just really good measurables. I, I expect to see a nice jump from him. So Irv Smith was drafted. Oh, where is it? Come on. I thought I had it. And then it was like, no. Stack guy's just... letting us down. Stack guy really screwed up, and like <laughs> Stack Stack guy's had a lot of time off, so like I'm really uh, I'm really shocked. That yeah, was the second round, fiftieth overall pick. 
I'm not going to talk anymore because Irv Smith was my breakout <laughs> for the Vikings. I'm all over Irv Smith as a late-round pick in fantasy football. Uh, if you're not going to go early on tight end as a premium position, I'm, I'm, everything that you just said resonates with me. People are going to want to stop Cook and Thielen and Jefferson, and if by the off chance they do that, I don't know if they get Irv Smith too. So that's really all yeah. I have to. Say. That's really all I have to say about that. Um, no, for sure. I mean, like he just brings. He was a. <laughs> He's a four six guy uh, in speed. He's six four, so I mean, he's bringing just really good measurables as a tight end. It could be a definite, definite scary weapon when he's prominently featured, which he's going to be this year, being the guy. Right, and so I'll pivot back to you for rookie two because I'm just going to be really boring and say Christian Darrisaw. I loved the pick. I couldn't believe he fell to them. I think they were at fifteen, if I'm not mistaken, but they were right in the middle of the draft, and I had Darrisaw going earlier, I believe, to the Chargers. Uh, but again, I just I think he's one of the best interior linemen in this entire draft, and I truly believe that he's going to shore that up and just create hole after hole for Dalvin Cook. And I think at the end of the year, we'll be talking about Christian Darrisaw as one of the top guards in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, obviously, getting Darrisaw where they did uh, was was a good one. It was definitely a player that we were touting during the draft period. Uh, I'm going to go. First of all, I think Minnesota did great work on their line, and obviously, that is their bread and butter. Talking about the run game and the play action, protecting Kirk Cousins is of great, great importance. So I think they nailed that. I'm going to go to I believe was a fourth round pick. I think. Um, You'll see a lot of fourth-rounders on my list here today, which I found very, very Love it. But I'm going with linebacker Chaz Surratt. Uh, I'm really, really excited for this young man in the middle. He's Mizzou, right? Cor- no, it's not Mizzou. It's uh, uh, I believe it was North Carolina, I it's think. It's North Carolina because he also played quarterback at one point. Yes, so he is a former quarterback. He's very raw on the defensive side, but I feel like his upside is so, so high. I think he brings that intelligence from a, a quarterback position, which uh, you know somebody in the middle usually is the quarterback of the defense, and I'm just really high on this kid. I think, again, talking about Irv Smith's measurables, I think Chaz Surratt is just, uh, you know, I think if we saw him on the quarterback side, I'd be – Whoa, what's that? So I was wrong. He was a he was a third round pick. Yeah, he was. Yeah, just uh, just clocking in where he is. Uh, I mean, weighs two thirty, so uh, he's six two, maybe a little bit undersized. Which I always get a little bit confused when they say a six two guy is undersized. I feel like we've seen a lot of really <laughs> successful middle linebackers in that that height range where it's like this is a small guy. Not ever, like, not everybody's what? Tremaine Edmonds. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, I wish I wish I was six two and considered small. So, but I'm I'm really excited to see what he's going to bring to that Vikings defense, which has done a really good job of developing linebackers. For sure, for sure. I I really love that pick. I, um, Chaz Surratt was actually a player that a lot of people thought might go even a little bit higher. He was a very late riser. So, uh, if you ever want just to like watch a fun ten minute YouTube video, look up Chaz Surratt's uh quarterback highlights they're pretty fun he's just like physically dominant over everybody um okay let's let's slide into the last two teams in this division uh two teams that people think will probably finish a little bit lower although the bears did stick into the playoffs at eight and eight last year uh and then the lions as well so let's start with the bears uh two big picks obviously tevin jenkins the offensive tackle that we both like and justin field the big trade up 
Free agent additions include Andy Dalton, Damian Williams, Demir Bird, Marquise Goodwin, our buddy. Uh, they did franchise Allen Robinson, PSU. And then they added a lot of pieces uh, in the secondary to like one or two year contracts to share that up. So this is a very fascinating team. Uh, who do you have as a breakout? So again, kind of going off of my really came on strong, in my opinion, last year, I'm going to go with Darnell Mooney. I think he... Love Darnell Mooney. He's on my dynasty team, so... (laughs) I think he has established himself that I think he's going to be the clear-cut number two, and Anthony Miller was the kind of the guy last year when everyone was like, this is going to be the big number two opposite Allen Robinson kind of guy, but I think that is Mooney now. He finished uh, with 61 catches for 631 yards, four touchdowns, so not not like oh my gosh like that's totally crazy production but really really solid and his snaps just generally grew every week as they got in with the season i think showing that the organization the brain trust just trusted him and i feel like that's going to translate to this year and i think we'll see especially i'm really pretty excited to see what uh fields brings to to the bears who i think is going to be the week one starter for for the Bears, if not week one, it's going to be really, really darn quick. And so once we start getting that, I'm excited to see what these wide receivers do. And I think Booney's going to be the guy that gets to break out because of it. Yeah, I actually, like, I think that Dalton will start. I think that Dalton's going to impress people. Like, Dalton's last couple years with Cincinnati were pretty decent. And he was, later in the season, pretty good with Dallas. Um, so I don't think Justin Fields sees the field uh, <laughs> much this season. I think that Andy Dalton plays. And I also have a wide receiver, and it's Marquise Goodwin. I really – so here's the thing. Marquise Goodwin, one of my favorite players ever. So Marquise Goodwin was a fourth-round pick by the Buffalo Bills and mostly injured for the majority of his Buffalo career. His best season came in his last season in 2016 where he had 30 catches for 430 yards and three touchdowns. That was his That was his best season. Uh, and then he went to San Francisco in his first year with San Francisco, 56 catches, 962 yards and two touchdowns, 17 and a half yards per catch. So that was the year that they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. And late in that year, Marquise Goodwin was, was a must start in those five or six starts that Jimmy Garoppolo had. And then, of course, injured for another season and a half. And then he opted out last year. And Marquise Goodwin was one of my favorite um bigger than football stories that you and I had where yeah. uh I believe it was it's it's the Iowa quarterback that they have that threw him the CJ Beathard CJ Beathard the 80 something yard touchdown on the the day that his son died and like fell to his knees and cried and put his hands up and it was just like this huge moment and so he's he's just this great guy and he's the definition of a speedster. He won silver or bronze medal at the Olympics in uh, one of the dash categories. I think that they that um, Cordero Patterson's gone, and Matt Nagy loves his his jet sweep, go deep wide receivers, and I think that Goodwin's going to slot into that. Uh, I really like Mooney, and obviously love a Rob PSU, but I think that Goodwin's going to fill that slot. And I feel like Goodwin's going to make some hay. And Dalton loves to hit that guy. I mean, the years where Tyler Boyd was coming on strong in the slot was Andy Dalton. Uh, C.D. Lamb, hugely last year when he played in the slot with Andy Dalton. I think Dalton loves that. And I think Goodwin will slot into there and catch a lot of passes. So 
Uh, I'm really in on Marquise Goodwin. I think that he'll be a very common late-round pick for me in fantasy football. I think that he's going to catch a lot of passes and run past a lot of people. All right. I like All right, that. So, so let's go rookies. Uh, I'm just going to say that there's not a ton of rookies that I'm like huge on for, for Chicago. I do think that Justin Fields does play. And I'm just going to say Justin Fields because we talked about when they traded up. I, it's one of my favorite audios and. Um, if we ever make a new opening, it's going to be of like things that we say, and one of them is going to be the reaction we had to Justin Fields. It's really fun. Go back and look at it, guys. It's on Facebook and Instagram. But I think that he will play near the end of the year, and I think that he will massively impress. I don't know if it'll be enough to save Matt Nagy's and Ryan Pace's jobs, who I both like actually a lot. Um, but I think that he's going to impress, and we're going to think, wow, they they made the right pick. So I need to I need to ask you this then, if you think he's going to come on at the end of the year, but it may not be enough to save their job, that means they're doing relatively poorly. So what makes you think they're going to stick with Andy Dalton as long as that? So I have them kind of as a middling team, um, where they're they're going to win a couple of games. We were like, wow, they're pretty good, and then they're going to lose some games where it's like, no, you should win those games. I think well, so. Chicago. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think around mid-season, they're going to be like, let's just see what Fields has. And then Fields will finish strong, and they'll be like, okay, this guy has got it. And I I feel like they probably will be fired. Uh, But I really, really think Matt Nagy is a very smart coach. We talked about it. I mean, we talk about it multiple times where we say his first whatever, what is it, like 20 to 25 scripted plays are like some of the highest EPA uh, most effective, best result yielding plays of all coaches because he just like gets how to script it, and then when it gets off script, he just like kind of fumbles. And I think that's more just the pieces he's been given, uh, a la Mitch Trubisky. So I think with Fields he could be great, but I just think that he's going to be forced. Uh, saying, Mitch Trubisky is lighting it up at Buffalo camp apparently. Yeah, there's a lot of stories about that, and I really think that Brandon, being the genius that he is, is going to flip Trubisky for like a third round pick and be like, thanks. <laughs> Anyway, who's your rookie? <laughs> uh, I also went for a pretty low-hanging fruit second-round pick tackle, Tevin Jenkins. He's a guy I love that, Tevin Jenkins. Uh, we were pretty pretty high on. Uh, we both had him mocked in the first round. We both did have him mocked in the first round. So for Chicago to get a guy of that caliber in the second round, I think he just brings such a nasty ferocity that is going to really benefit that offensive line. And I think David Montgomery especially is going to love having this guy to, to run around. So not not a whole lot to talk about. Obviously, we talked about him coming out of the draft uh, pretty intensively, but I, I do feel that it's going to benefit what Matt Nagy wants to do, having a guy like that out on one of the sides, anchoring that side. All right, so let's pivot to the last team in this division, the Detroit Lions, who obviously biggest move this offseason was trading away Matt Stafford and getting back uh, Jared Goff and uh, some picks along the way. Uh, Dan Campbell biting kneecaps through this whole season. Biting kneecaps. <laughs> big, big uh, additions in the draft was Levi Onwuzurike, Levi I think. Defensive tackle, pass rusher. Panay Sewell, who fell to them. That was a surprising pick for us. And then one of my favorite receivers in the draft from USC, Amon Ross St. Brown. And then, obviously... Free agents include Goff because of the big trade, Tim Boyle, former backup for Green Bay, Jamal Williams, former backup from Green Bay, <laughs> um, Brashad Perriman, they re-signed Tyrell Williams, Romeo Aquara, 
uh, re-signing a pass rusher. Michael Brockers, they also had a trade from the Rams. So the Lions, big rebuild, a very popular um, top pick for next season. Uh, I think a breakout for me, I'm really high on Tyrell Williams this year. I was last year before he got injured. I really think that he was a very solid receiver for Derek Carr uh, with the Raiders the year before that they signed him. I think he's back healthy. I think they're looking for a number one receiver. I think Tyrell Williams catches a lot of passes this year. That's my breakout. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I'm going with a former top five pick just last year, and that is Jeff Akuda. I think he mm. struggled pretty, pretty big in some big key moments last year, but I just feel like because he was drafted where he is, a lot of people are already already to write him already ready to write him off. But I think this kid was a top five pick for a reason. I believe they took him at third overall last year, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, just a, a big kid, six one. He's very physical on the line. I think maybe he just wasn't ready to transition to the NFL and get thrown into the fire the way he was, and that's okay. Let's see until year two. I would even say possibly year three, depending on on how it goes. Let the kid develop and play. But I expect this year for him to be much more confident out of the gate. Maybe not get rattled the way he was early on. That I think really affected the year. So I'm expecting to see some big things from Jeff Okuda this year. All right. So I have a big rookie who wasn't a draft pick undrafted surprised sage yeah, surratt yeah, people yeah. are not surprised look if it, if i'm wrong on this at least i was wrong with my chest i just <laughs> i was looking at quarterbacks and i will tell the story until i die i'm looking at jamie newman and the guy making plays every single one and these are highlight reels made by youtube people so it's not like they're just like let's keep putting sage surat in it it's like no let's put in jamie newman's best plays and who was always on the other receiving end of his best plays was sage surat i they they're obviously desperate the wide receiver position and i think that surat can slot in as a slot receiver or even a number two but i think he fits more in the slot especially because amon saint uh brown is like an outside more receiver but i just he catches everything and he's excellent at contestant catches i I really believe in this kid, and I hope that I'm right about it, but I'm going to do it with my chest. So, Sage Surratt, wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, you are definitely pounding your chest uh, all <laughs> offseason about, about Surratt, so we'll, we'll see what happens. He's going to go cut. with the other guy. He's going to cut in training camp. <laughs> <laughs> never, never plays it down to the NFL. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to go with that other wide receiver you just mentioned, the fourth-round pick out of USC, Monroe St. Brown. So he is yeah, he's great. rivals with his big brother there in Green Bay, Equinemius St. Brown. So they got a sibling rivalry going on. We'll see if what we were talking about with St. Brown in Green Bay about not being able to hold on to the first pass follows his brother there in Detroit. But uh, I do feel pretty excited for this kid. I think it was a really great value in the fourth round. I certainly think he could have gone higher. Yes, like for sure. Said, I agree. Detroit just is kind of a wasteland of wide receivers right now. We don't really know. There's, I mean, there are talented people there in in Williams and even, you could say, in Perriman, but not super, super established yet, especially with the new regime. So this could be a kid that comes in and makes an impact right away. So I will say this. Um, I think that one of these receivers is going to be good, right? Like one of these is going to be in a top 24-ish receivers. Someone's going to get the majority. Somebody has to catch passes, right? Somebody somebody has to get the targets and the catches. I think, and we'll look back on this. I'm going to mark it down on, on my notes right here on my laptop. Whatever receiver comes out, 
is going to be on like a top percentage of winning fantasy football rosters. Like, because they're all going to be dart throws and someone's going to hit on one of the dart throws and that's a roster that's going to win because you're going to land a wide receiver one or two even and it's going to be that valuable because you didn't have to spend capital on it. That's my bull prediction for that. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. So let's do it. Who wins the division? All right. Uh, you know, I'm still going to go with the Green Bay Packers. And I, I will say this, I think. Is there a caveat? A, I, don't, I don't have a caveat. I think even like if, even if Jordan Love back. Even if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back, wow. I believe in the roster as a whole. And more importantly, I believe in the coaching staff. I feel that we're talking about Matt Nagy being able to script in game flow. I think Matt LaFleur has done a phenomenal job. The talent around any quarterback that's back there. I mean, obviously they have uh, Aaron Jones, but they're also expecting a, a big leap there as well from their Second round pick last year of A.J. Dillon. They have Devontae Adams. You're talking about Funches coming back and making a big deal. Mon- uh, not Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, Amari Rogers. I think this is a guy that they drafted in the first round last year. So obviously he has upside. And so even if Aaron Rodgers isn't there, I believe in the pieces and the coaching staff to help take that team. And they just have the culture figured out right now that I think the other teams are still kind of figuring out. I'm pretty confident that I would still take Green Bay. I mean, like a year ago, Jordan Love was such a popular, like this guy's going to be great pick. Like everybody was all over this guy. So I'm in agreement with you. Like I really, so I have it statted out right now for the Packers and the Vikings to be pretty darn close regardless. I think it would definitely be close. Yeah, I think sure. I think it's close because uh, I really like what the Vikings have done, but I'm still going with the Packers as well. Um, I do also think that when push comes to shove, Aaron Rodgers loves football too much. He'll come back and he'll play, uh, and they'll have a really good season. I have them statted out to be to be pretty good, but I think the Vikings are also going to be very good. So I think that if it is Jordan Love, I think that it'll be closer, but I do still believe in LaFleur and this offense and this team. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think the Packers win it regardless, uh, which is probably not a popular opinion. Or no, pick. probably not. Probably <laughs> not. If, it, if it did play out that way, Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back, I could see very much very realistic to think the Vikings win and maybe, I mean, Green Bay could just could be totally horrible. I don't know, but I could also see them being like the number two in the division, maybe getting right. the wild card. Getting the wild card, yeah. All right, well, let's move on over to our AFC counterparts. And uh, I've got some thoughts about this division. This is a very, very interesting and exciting division. Uh, Let's get into it. Let's start off with uh, one of the biggest uh, teams of contention in the Pittsburgh Steelers because I think this is fun. So big uh, draftees, obviously Najee Harris, a very big popular running back on this podcast we both love from Alabama. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, sure. Pat Fryermuth, PSU tight end, uh, love him. Uh, and then obviously some big free agent additions. Juju was resigned, and then they had a handful of like one year deals with offensive and defensive linemen per uh, respectively. So they they tried to attack issues that they had, and obviously Big Ben's coming back. They got Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph resigned, so they're going to have a battle for the backup spot. But I just kind of want to throw this over to you to talk about the Steelers and t- 
talk about a, a breakout, but just like talk about the Steelers as well. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers are obviously a really polarizing team just because they were the last unbeaten team last year, and then all the wheels fell off the car, and uh, we saw them limp into the playoffs and then uh, get right. Get they were around. We they were their... like ten and zero, eleven and zero when we talked to Glenn Connor, and then went finished one and five. So. So it's it's really us. So as long as we don't talk to anybody, but you know James isn't on the team anymore, so it's okay. So it's going to work out just fine. Yeah. So I mean, it's going to be really just really fascinating to see. I think a, a large part. I think Najee Harris is going to help the team tremendously. But I'm really curious because they still didn't do a ton to address their aging offensive line. They did some things, and we'll see if younger rookies and whatnot can kind of step up into the roles that some really solid veterans had filled for years. But again, it wasn't just they couldn't run the football because they were inept of talent and they went to the quick pass offense because that was just the best thing to obviously do. So I'm going to be really fascinated to see what what product is put out on the field come the kickoff for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So who's your breakout? My breakout is replacing a really important defensive piece last year in Bud Dupree, and that is Alex Highsmith. Hey! I was a third-round pick last year, so he's was coming off his rookie year, which he had to play sparingly when Dupree went down. But even in the, that sparingly role, he performed extremely, extremely well. He played 224 snaps and had 22 pressures in those snaps. So that's nearly 10% of the time that he was on the field. He was causing a pressure of the opposing quarterback. Again, that's a pretty high number. I don't know if that is necessarily going to be obtainable again, but I just feel like he has all of the tools to be successful. And kind of similar to what I was saying with Minnesota, I feel like Pittsburgh develops linebackers extremely well playing on the opposite side of TJ Watt. Obviously, a lot of people are going to focus on him, which I think should allow some some more singular uh, opposition for Highsmith. I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, I mean, six foot four, 23 years old. I will say this is a big thing to follow. In our Dynasty League, I did have him, and you traded him to me along with three fifth-round picks and a third-round pick for Hunter Henry and a sixth-round pick. So interesting to follow. But I love Alex Highsmith. I think he's a very good player. Um, I did toy with him as a breakout, but I think my breakout – is going to be really simple, and it's going to be Chase Claypool. Like Chase Claypool. Do you consider when he was already so good last year? Well, so here's the thing. Here's the thing why I think he's still considered a breakout is he had this huge start where he was catching touchdowns and being handed off end around touchdowns, but (laughs) in the middle of the season was pretty bad. He was not above a wide receiver, I think, like 36 or 38 in fantasy for like – weeks 5 to 13 or 14 like he was pretty bad like they stopped targeting him and I think something that could hurt him is Juju resigning because I thought Juju was going to be gone and then it was going to be Claypool's the number one and Deontay Johnson's the number two and here we go um but now Juju's back in the fold but I really think that Claypool has the skill set to be a 100 catch 10 touchdown receiver now I'm not going to like fully predict that because I'm not an idiot but I think that (laughs) I think that Chase Claypool can really and legitimately be a full-on breakout where you're like, right now you're saying, 
can he be considered one? But I think he's going to have a good enough season where you're like, no, yeah, like I really think that he is a breakout. All right. I mean, if that's so, true, yeah. that pro- that probably means that Juju will get that bigger contract somewhere else, not in Pittsburgh next year then, huh? I, I would also predict that because I think that Big Ben's not going to be that great this year and they're going to have to move on. Regardless, we'll get to that later. Let's go to rookies. What do you got? All right. I am going with fourth round pick this year out of Texas A&M, Devodrick. Buddy Johnson, I'm really excited for this young <laughs> linebacker to come out. And like I said, just about this team, I think they do a really great job of developing linebackers. I don't know if Buddy Johnson gets on the field and makes an immediate impact this season. We'll have to see. Last year, the wheels really kind of started falling off with this defense when their middle linebackers started getting injured. And obviously, they'll be coming back. We'll see... Um, Oh my gosh, why am I blanking? Devin Bush come back and we'll see him recover from that injury that he had last year. We hope nothing follows or that doesn't become a trend or anything like that. But uh, Roberts Blaine, who also took over. Showed some promise. Showed some promise. Also did show some hiccups, but we'll see whether or not that kind of sticks as that prominent linebacker that's going to be there for the long-term future. Uh, They did trade in midseason to get Avery Williams, I believe, from the Jets, who got cut and re-signed for a cheaper deal in Pittsburgh. So I think Buddy Johnson may... Uh, kind of established himself right now in his rookie year as a special teams guy, but I think could definitely be a name to watch in the future to see if he makes that young middle linebacker duo with Devin Bush for the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a great, great, great choice. Uh, I'm going to go low-hanging fruit here and just say Najee Harris. I know, like I said, it's just he's so good, and there was this debate at one point between Najee and ETN, and it's just not close to me. Like, Najee just does everything. And the one knock on him is uh, breakaway speed. Yeah. But I don't think it, I don't think it's going to matter that much. I I see him as Le'Veon Bell 2.0. He has that That's patience. That's so fascinating. I hear that a lot. And, like, I, I can see it, but I also just think it's so weird. I don't know why. <laughs> is it weird because he went to Pittsburgh or <laughs> – I don't know. Like, I don't. I feel like people are saying that because of the Pittsburgh connection. But like, I just like it's just. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. I no, just, I think it's real. I think it's real, and I think that it's going to help this team a lot because I think that Ben loves to dump off to that receiving running back, and I think Najee's that. And I just truly think that he's going to like having that type of running back back again, and they're going to be able to hand it off to him, and it can have that patience, and then he has a burst. Like, his burst is phenomenal. It's just his top-end speed is not as great as other backs maybe, but I just really think Najee Harris is going to have a huge season this year. Yeah, I mean, all reports coming out of Pittsburgh camp is that he is just one of the hardest-working people there, not only as a rookie, but just one of the hardest-working players, and he doesn't want to leave the building. He doesn't want to leave the facility, or he's coming in early. And so I'm just I'm really excited. He's Obviously, we touted him during the draft process. He's we one did. of the favorite players, and I'm, I'm excited to see him translate to the NFL. All right, so let's pivot to another team uh, that's going to be fighting for division supremacy. Obviously, the winner last year, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, big additions in the draft. Obviously, Rashad Bateman, the Minnesota wide receiver. And then we have Jason Owe, Penn State uh, pass rusher we both had going. Wait, that, that was their second first-round pick, if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken. Yes. So it was a first-round pick. 
Um, they have Ben Cleveland, uh, Tylen Wallace, a wide receiver that I really liked, go late. Uh, and then free agent additions, Sammy Watkins, big Madden receiver for us. Uh, <laughs> Juwan, Juwan James, Lyman, uh, Alejandro Vill- Villanueva, stealing them him from Pittsburgh. Uh, Kevin Zeitler, stealing him from Cleveland. So interdivisional blood being spilt. And then they re-signed Tyus Bowser, the linebacker, to a to a big four-year contract and some other D linemen here and there. So they just fortifying the fronts on both sides and adding some skill positions. I really like what Baltimore did uh, leading into a breakout pick. I swear to God, I wanted to say Sammy Watkins, but I said him, <laughs> I said him for KC last year and being so wrong. I don't think I can do that. <laughs> uh, week one, you're going to look Real good if you do, though. It's true because he'll just go off week one, and I think that there's a there's a, a possibility for that. But I'm gonna say Hollywood Brown. I'm gonna say the other wide receiver. Like, so they went Bateman first round re- and signed Sammy in the offseason. I think we're all forgetting about Marquise Hollywood Brown, and I think the people are slandering him. And I just think that Hollywood had late in the season really good games uh, with. With Lamar, and I really think that you know he's developed this connection with Jackson, and they're kind of working it out. And I really think he's a good receiver for Lamar. And I don't know, I just it's it's hard to explain, but I really think that he's going to have a solid year and solidify as the if it's not the number one, it's at the very least Lamar's go to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, coming from the guy that traded him off his team. Whatever, it's fine. I got a lot in return. <laughs> I got a lot in return, so that's fine. Yeah, I'm gonna go with low hanging fruit here and just say the running back they took in the second round last year, J.K. Dobbins. I think I did toy with that. So <laughs> the guy now he did really, really well in not showing or not starting the year as the guy. They felt comfortable enough to let Mark Ingram go last year. He ran for a little over 800 yards, nine touchdowns, while not being the quote unquote the guy. Uh, he averaged over he averaged six yards a carry. Now that's going to be really high, hard to continue through the course of a whole year. But if he does, that's going to be mind-boggling. So I'm really excited to see what J.K. Dobbins says. He was one of my favorite backs coming out of last year, uh, and I just feel like they're going to continue. I think Baltimore needs to get better with the passing game. I think they did a lot to address that. I, I'm really curious to see what's going on with within the organization right now saying we need to get better at this. We need to make better play designs and make sure that we're making this a comfortable thing, but they're still going to run the ball just because Baltimore does it so darn well. And obviously they have Lamar Jackson. So right. I'm going to go with the low hanging fruit right. and say JK Dobbins. No, I like it a lot. And you know, he showed a little bit of pass catching work at OSU, but Lamar's like in a normal offense, Lamar runs our quarterback dump offs. He just doesn't do it. He runs instead. So we'll see uh, where that goes heading into the next season. But I am a big on Lamar this um, this season, especially as a fantasy quarterback, because he's falling to like the sixth round. But with that being said, who's a rookie for you? I am going with one of those rookie, rookie one of the rookies, 
one of the rookie wide receivers and not the wide receiver that they took in the first round. I'm going to go with uh, your boy that you were talking about there, Tylen Wallace. Son of a bitch. Oklahoma State. Is that who you said too? Yes, that's who I'm going to (laughs) say. Yeah, I I was pretty shocked that he fell as far as he did, but I just think he is such a tough wide receiver. He runs so darn well, high points the ball really well, and I think he's a really good complement to what Lamar Jackson wants to do in a wide receiver. He's the kind of guy that can take – a two-yard pass and kind of just juke and and truck his way around people and I'm, I'm really excited i don't know if we'll see an immediate impact from wallace this year but definitely as we go on i think wallace is going to be a prominent part of the baltimore Ravens so, offense so i'll pivot and say another name but I'm, I'm with you on tylen wallace i think the reason why i'm with him is i think that the ravens passing game will be better but it's not going to be so much of timing routes or they they hit the route at the perfect time because it's not Lamar's game it's going to be a broken place and I think Tylen Wallace is great at that where it's like he broke open for a second I'm going to hit him and he makes something happen so like tying into what you said I I love Tylen Wallace so but I will just say Jason Owe so that we don't say the same name again but I really I'm very very high on on Jason Owe not just because I'm a PSU guy, but obviously Micah Parsons uh, opting out this year. Jason Oway held the fort down. He was just kind of all over the place. He's so physically gifted. I know he didn't have a sack last year. That was the big knock. It's the only reason he fell. If Jason Oway has 10 sacks, he's a top five pick. He's that gifted as a just physical specimen. And I think being able to put him wherever they want on this defense is very invaluable. And I just think he's going to have a huge season, and we're going to look at Jason Oway a lot differently in a year's time. So uh, there's that. So let's move on to the next team. Uh, do we want to do Bengals next or Browns next? Dealer's choice. Hey, I will follow your path, my man. You're leading us so valiantly. Right. So. Yeah, so let's do Bengals because I'm a huge fan of the Bengals and what they did this season. Uh, in the draft, obviously, Jamar Chase. We all thought it was going to be Penny Sewell, but they add Joe Burrow's counterpart in Jamar Chase. Um, really just kind of like an overall nice draft. They also added a kicker uh, who I actually really, really like. <laughs> um, uh, they In added the fifth round. Exactly. They added Chris Evans, a running back from Michigan. I really, too. They are. Uh, Chris Evans, a running back from Michigan. I really like. And the offseason, the free agency, Riley Reef, uh, Quinton Spain, uh, Lyman, I both really like. Trey Hendrickson. On a really big deal to be a pass pitcher for them, they got uh, secondary members Mike Hilton they stole from the Steelers, Eli Apple, Jadobi Awuzie from the Cowboys. So they kind of really just hit all of the spots they needed to hit. They did a lot of a lot of good work. The big thing, obviously, Joe Burrow coming back from injury, who showed flashes. Um, we'll talk about that. A little bit later, but also just because we talk about AFC East. He had a pretty like comparable season to Tua Tunkavailoa, and we're not talking about Tua the same way we talk about Burrow. So uh, it's something that I kind of am interested in talking about, but also uh, who's your breakout? Yeah, I'm going to go with a breakout. Uh, you talked about Trey Hendrick- Henderson. Is it Henderson? Hendrickson. Hendrickson. Uh, I'm going to go with who I believe is going to be his counterpart on the defensive line there. It's going to be Sam Hubbard. Love it. Third year. Love Uh, it. He's shown a ton of promise, especially last year. He got injured, which I think really slowed him down. 
I think when he came back last year, he started picking up a pace again. I think now if if Hendrickson is going to be a guy that can take some pressure away from Hubbard, which I'm not totally sure how I really believe about if I if I believe in Hendrickson yet. I hope I'm wrong. I think it'd be great to see him kind of not just be the one-year guy that kind of translates into a large contract. But I am really excited to see what Hubbard does as he enters his third year. I think he's just been picking up steam and is ready to be be the guy now. No, that's a great point. No, sorry. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, a lot of times those pass rushers get the deals and just make money and not do anything. So, um, yeah, I mine's Tyler Boyd. I, okay. I know. I know. Yeah, he's that, the forgotten wide receiver, I feel exactly, like. Exactly. Exactly. I know that T. Higgins is great. Second round pick. I know they signed Jamar, they, or drafted Jamar Chase. But Tyler Boyd's been very good. And Tyler Boyd was signed to a four-year contract a year ago. I just think that in the slot, he's going to be a guy that Joe Burrow goes to. And I'm really big on the Bengals this year. We'll talk about them in a little bit. But So, uh, in the last three years, when in the second half, the game is tied or down by one score, the top four quarterbacks based on EPA per play, which includes runs and passes, number three is Joe Burrow. After just one year. <laughs> Like, Joe Burrow was very, very good last year. And I'm going to use this stat again when we talk about other teams because also Lamar Jackson, number four. But the number one is a surprise. We'll talk when we hit that division. But Joe Burrow's been very good. And I think that Tyler Boyd is going to be a, a key part in that. And so Tyler Boyd is very clearly uh, that for me. All right. I like that. Yeah. I like that a yeah, lot. Yeah. Like I said, the forgotten guy that I think is going to be really prominent and make people be like, oh, yeah. I think Cincinnati can be can be really exciting this year. I'm excited. No, they can. And I'm, I'm a big Joe Burrow fan. I know we talked about early on in the process. We, <laughs> I seem to always be the guy that's like, let's cool it on the people that are like sure things, quote unquote. But <laughs> <laughs> he very much is uh, – is is very very good. So let's head back to you for rookie. Yeah, it's uh, you already mentioned his name. I'm gonna go with Chris Evans, the uh, six round pick out of Michigan. Oh, okay. You know, I I think he didn't have a ton of production at Michigan, but that was more due to that offense and maybe not getting the ball a lot. But I think the reason I'm pretty high on him is just because there's no one really in front of him. There's Joe Mixon, and then there's a whole bunch of unknowns right there yeah. in in Cincinnati. So I feel like Chris Evans definitely has the talent to uh to kind of establish establish himself as the backup there in Cincinnati and can do mm-hmm. some damage there. So I think like I said, maybe he didn't come out with the flashiest stats what made him fall to the sixth round, but when he has been called upon, I think he produces. And I think he can do that in the NFL. Look, I, I I'm being I, I love that. I do. I really do. I'm staking my entire career as a quote unquote analyst on Jamar Chase. <laughs> I swear to God I think I am so high on the Bengals this year. I think that's why Jamar Chase is my, or that's why Tyler Boyd is my breakout and Jamar Chase is my rookie. If just go back to my preview episode where I talk about how much I love Jamar Chase, I just think he is such a like. I think he is, and I said this on the episode, he is Larry Fitzgerald with more speed. He's just yeah. that. He's just that good, and I really think. That And again, during the draft, I don't know if I said this, but I really thought it was a mistake. I was like, no, you should have taken Penesul. 
you should have protected Joe Burrow. He's your franchise. But they were like, no, we're going to take his guy and just build this out. And I just think that him and Boyd and Higgins, I just think they are going to be an all-out assault on offense through the passing game that people cannot stop. And I am all over it. And I just think Jamar Chase is going to have a phenomenal season. I know rookie quarter, rookie wide receivers excuse me, don't typically have that. Like Justin Jefferson's 1,500 yards last year was astronomical and illogical. It's never really happened before. Um, well, that was the rookie record, wasn't it? Yes. No, like by far. So I, I'm not predicting that for Jamar Chase, though. But I'm just saying that Jamar Chase is going to be awesome. And we're not going to – the Bengals will not regret not taking Penesul. They're going to be happy with Jamar Chase in a year. All right. We'll All right. see. We will certainly see, I hope. Let's La- just hope that they don't regret taking Jamar Chase because he's looking good with uh, their backup quarterback. <laughs> you know, that's a really good point. Anyway, let's go to the last but certainly not least because they're a very popular pick right now. The Cleveland Browns. Cleveland what, what, Browns. Space, Space Browns. Browns. Um, that. Yeah. <laughs> so the Browns won 11 games last season for the first time in literally forever. Uh, big players big players <laughs> added in the draft. Uh, Greg Newsome, quarterback, and Adam's favorite draftee, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Uh, Anthony Schwartz. Lineman, uh, a couple other pieces as well. Big free agents: Tack McKinley, Malik Jackson, pass rushers, and of course Jadavian Clowney. And then a big deal for John Johnson, the safety from the Rams. A lot of moves. They were not complacent. They did not look at eleven wins and say we're fine. Let's just do what we did again last year. They added pieces, had a great draft. Isn't that just the Browns' way, though? It always is. You know, it's always we're going to go get the big guy. I mean, it is. I don't know how they continue to do it. They're adding that on top of a year where they were actually good. It's not just like they were bad and then, hey, they added these pieces. Like, they were pretty darn good and added these pieces. Uh, Patrick Holmes got hurt in the game, but obviously they took KC to the brink. So I'm going to pass it to you. Who's a breakout? How do we feel about the Browns? Yeah, so for breakout, it's going to be one of those big free agent signings you were just talking about. I'm going to say Jadavion Clown. He's finally ready to have a breakout. You know, I think I, obviously I love it. I love it. This is this is a player that I think isn't. I, I don't even know how to say this because I think Jadavion Clowney, he's not bad. Obviously, you want to have him on your team, right? But he's also so much name based on, in my opinion, really a big play that he had in college. The last I mean, two you've, years, you've talked about this a lot. The last two years, he's had 50 tackles and three sacks. Like, this is not uh, a game-changing defensive end. He's played in only 21 games the last two years, so he's been dealing with injuries. He hasn't been on the field. Sometimes, you know, the popular cliche moniker is the best ability is availability. He hasn't been on the field a ton in the last two years. I think he's ready to finally go and put up a high amount of sack totals, and he's going to make continue to make the game-changing plays that we expect from Clowney in a more regular basis now that he has his running mate, Miles Garrett, there on the other side. I'm really excited to see what Clowney does and see if he can finally 
really be that consistent defender that we've seen that honestly I think he I've really only seen from that one year in Houston I remember that one year was like oh man this guy is like so <laughs> good and it's so exciting but outside of that I just feel like it's always been like oh yeah Clowney like he can be your cornerstone defender but he never really has been so I'm gonna play off of the narrative you're forming here player that's been pretty darn good that you believe was based off of one play and we're going breakout as Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, and I think, hey, 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 here's the thing. Here's the thing. I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> no, but I what I will say, the last two games where he was fully healthy for the Browns, a 40-point game in terms of fantasy points, and then a 15. <laughs> and, and, and So, like, his, his last games were super productive. And then the season before that, where he wasn't injured, there were only, like, what is it? One, two, three games where he didn't score more than 12 points in terms of fantasy. We both are fantasy football nuts. So that's how I'm putting it in terms of discussion for you. But what I'm saying is this. The Browns and Baker operated super well without OBJ last year. And most yeah. people, and most people, including you, see that as, oh, without OBJ, they were clearly better. He played better. He didn't have to force it to a number one receiver. But to me, that says Baker figured out some stuff, and now he just gets 28-year-old Odell Beckham Jr. back. And I... I would I would love it if that were the case. We I know. Just, I know. You, I know. It. I know. But here's, here's, here's a stat that I want to throw out there. Baker Mayfield, eight games last season, had a court QBR... Over 80. Now, QBR is not quarterback rating. It's a different stat. It takes into account things like uh, uh, kneels and throwaways and stuff like that. Uh, over 80. The top you can get is 100. So, over 80 is like pretty freaking good. The Browns went 7-1 and one in those eight games. The only two quarterbacks uh, who had more than 80-plus QBR performances than that were Aaron Rodgers, the MVP, and Patrick Mahomes, who was in top three and MVP voting. So Baker Mayfield was awesome last year. Baker Mayfield, for at least half the season, was one of the top three best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I refuse to believe that adding a player as good as Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be a slight. So I think OBJ has a sensational season with a quarterback that is truly uh, figuring out how to do it in the NFL. And I believe he's going to have a phenomenal season. So I consider that a breakout. Some people might not. But especially, no, I hear you. I, I know what I was you're saying. Saying. I don't think you're going to slight me saying it a breakout because I know that you don't fully believe in uh, OBJ fitting with this team. But he's not going anywhere. At this point, Julio has been traded. Other people have been traded. OBJ is going to be a Brown. Like he, I don't yeah. think he's going to be traded. So it's going to be how does he fit. And him and Jarvis Landry I think are just going to be a great duo. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> I feel like part of you wants to fight that, but that's fine. <laughs> no, I hear you. I mean, it makes sense. I feel like it warrants a breakout because he definitely, I mean, I don't know if you would disagree or maybe some other Cleveland fans. He is not the player that I think, he has not been the player that I think that no. they traded for. No, and so, and I mean, like he's no, had some really all. good games, but this could definitely, if he, if it becomes what the Odell of, of New York, it, it definitely would warm breakout for sure. Right, and the reality with him is that he's had flashes. Like obviously, there was the play against 
I think it was the Jets. It was a New York team on Monday yeah. night where he had that one-handed. The it was one-handed like, okay, catch. OBJ, like he can do this stuff. <laughs> so we're like ready for it. But I just, I really, really, not. I, I believe in it. I do as somebody who tries to like watches more football than 80% of the fan base, but also just like tries to analyze it. I do believe he'll do it, but I just want him to, too. Like I love the player. I think he's a great player. I just want to see it. So we won't talk too much about OBJ. Let's transition to rookie. Mine's really simple. It's the player that I traded up for in our dynasty league, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. I just think UCLA, he's sensational. He does it all. I Micah Parsons was my favorite defender slash, I think, player in the entire draft. But uh, JOK was not that far past it. I just think he's going to slot into... He could do middle linebacker, but he could also do one of the outside positions and rush the passer and cover a tight end. I just think he's going to be phenomenal, and I'm so excited to watch him play NFL football. So I'm just going to go right there. That's my rookie, and I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And obviously, I did not pick him because I knew you'd be talking about him. Right, right, of course. I'm just (laughs) – I agree. I think – phenomenal player and obviously when he fell to the Browns the Browns had to take him because this was uh, a person or a player that we were talking about being a first round talent and, he's and he fell in the second far. round it's crazy he fell pretty far I'm just really fascinated to see where he fits in in the Browns linebacking room like you said he can play a whole lot of positions at a lot of different places but they just have so much talent there that I'm I mean, do you think he he slots in there as like the main middle linebacker is he no they do they two, they have a lot like of spots no so I I'm think just, I, I think early he on he probably. I hope that doesn't hinder him, is what I'm saying. No, you're no. That's a good point. I think early on he slots in as a rotational piece, but I think that as the season grows on, he will become one of the leaders. That's that's okay. my that's why I'm picking him as a breakout. I think he becomes that, and I think Cleveland obviously is like has a lot of big aspirations and goals for this year, and I think he's a big part of that. So that's why I'm saying him. That makes a ton of sense. I'm going to go with probably the lamest answer that I've had here all day, and that's going to be their first-round pick, Greg Newsom. I think he is just a really feisty, strong, aggressive corner, 6-1. I think he is really going to challenge and probably knock off Greedy Williams for the number two corner position there. Oh, okay. The field of Denzel okay. Ward. I'm really excited to see what he does there, and I just feel like he's going to really be a fiery piece for a fiery Browns defense. I'm excited to see what he does. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's a really, really, really great pick. Um, okay, yeah, that's all four, right? That is all four. All right, so let's just go right into it. What do you think? Who's Who wins? All right, I am really nervous about this one. Ooh. Really lo- nervous I love, about this one. I love when Josh Lapping's nervous. <laughs> I'm going to go. Here it is. We've been waiting for it. We've been on the air for four years now. Is that is that true? Three, it, four years? It's nearing four. I think this is the fourth year. I think, yes, this is the fourth year, and I'm finally doing doing what I thought was impossible. I'm picking the Cleveland Browns to win the division. What? Yeah, what? Year. Oh my God! What's happening? <laughs> they showed a lot of growth last year. I just feel like with the additions that they made, they had an excellent draft, bringing in John Johnson and Clowney. I think they just made an already scary defense even tighter. If they don't win it, then something's wrong. Then if if they don't win it, and it's just it's just the total Cleveland Browns thing to do. They have every reason to. They just have. 
I would would consider franchise players. I just all over the place. You know, I just this is this is the year for him to for it to happen. I just feel really, really uh, that this is the year. And if I am wrong, then I'm going to be real ashamed of myself. I am shocked. I am I I I am shell shocked. I don't know what to say. I thought you were going to either pick the Ravens or if you were going to be bold, you'd be like, I still believe in the Steelers or like whatever it was. I never thought you were going to come on the show and pick the Cleveland Browns. I mean, the I'm, Ravens definitely, definitely challenged. Do not get me wrong. Yes. And no, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. curious to see if, because right now the Ravens still are big brother. They swept Cleveland yes. last year, but yes. especially that, that the famous Lamar game where, you know, whether or not he was going to the bathroom, who knows? That was such a good game and Baltimore still came out on top. I don't know if Baltimore will continue to get the Browns in that way, but I think the margin is so slim. And right now on paper, I think the Browns are, are so much better. So that's what tips the scale to the Browns for me. Nope, I love it. I love it, and I actually, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'm picking the Browns too, but I thought I was gonna be the, I'm gonna have to like beg and scrap for Josh to believe what I'm saying is true. But I'm picking the Browns too. I just, I think they've added too much. And in, in my, like I mentioned earlier, playoff predictor simulator, they only finished like a, a game or a half a game out of Baltimore. Like it's that close to me, because uh, I really love what Baltimore has done. Uh, I won't spend too much on Cleveland because I know I believe in what you already said. I just want to say, bold prediction for me, I say Pittsburgh finishes fourth. And I don't know how you feel about this, and I'm more interested in discussing this briefly as we round out this episode. I don't think Pittsburgh has done enough. And I think Ben is just getting worse and worse. And I think... I'm huge on, I talked about it, Cincinnati. I really believe Cleveland and Baltimore are the class, and the Bengals are just up and rising, and Pittsburgh is falling off, hoping for a quarterback to come in. I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, because again, I'm picking Cleveland. We're both picking the Browns to win the division. That's fine, and Baltimore to finish two. And then it comes down to Cincinnati and Pittsburgh for three, and for me, Pittsburgh's fourth. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It makes sense. I think you're kind of... I mean, it's it's the kind of aging team versus the young and up and coming team, and I, yes. I hear what you're saying about Ben falling off and everything. I feel like this could very well be something that we see in the future. I just don't it could, think it's yeah. this year. I uh, yeah, don't right. know if I'm completely completely sold on Zach Taylor still. I think he is a good mind, but we'll have yeah. to see if he can yeah. make that step. And and, and maybe. From a talent perspective, Cincinnati may be better than Pittsburgh. But the thing is, Mike Tomlin in no, his, you're right. How many years? He's never had a losing record. Nope, never so had a losing I record. It's like fifteen plus it, years. It's a long. I time. can't see it being such a drop off that they place fourth in division when the guy hasn't even had a losing record. No, that's a really good point. And I, I don't want anybody to. I I promise you, my uncle who's a Steelers fan is listening, and he's rolling his eyes at me right now. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> we were moving my grandmother in the other day, and he was like, the Steelers, nobody's giving them respect. And I was like, well, probably not going to either. But I just – you're right. Like I love Tomlin, and I love this team in general. I just think they need a new guy at the helm, and it was never more evident than when they got just punched in the face by Washington, and then, yeah. the, then Buffalo totally stifled them. And then they 
just couldn't beat with with Mason Rudolph, the Browns, and the Browns crushed them in the playoff game. We were sitting here in this apartment that we're not in together anymore, but they they were up, what, what, 21, 28 to nothing? It's just they were so outclassed late in the season. And to me, late in the season is when you find out the most, more than early, what your team is. And they just weren't ready for it. They didn't have it. And... I really think they need a quarterback that can round it out. They have a good defense, even though they lost guys like Hilton and uh, Bud Dupree. And they like they lost pieces that are going to affect this defense. It's not going to be as good yeah. as it was last year. But I really think they need a new trigger man. And Ben's not it. And that's just what I think. That's why I think the Bengals are going to be better. I could be wrong. Ben could flip it and be like, you know what? I'm going to be even better than I was last year. And that's, yeah, that, no, I, that won't I surprise you, me. I just it, see it. it. It's very, very logical what you're saying. And where mine really isn't that logical, it's just it's a belief in the organization that has been really, really steady for the past 13 years uh, of, of us watching. And in 2019, when Big Ben went down in week two or whatever, even Mason Rudolph, they still finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Now, granted, they did have what was the beginning of that dominant defense, which is right. looking different now. Right, but right, right. I think they've shown that even with subpar play, they still finished. Now, Cleveland's better now than they were in 2019, but they still finished second in the division that year. So are they going to drop down to fourth? I'm just not ready to say that. No, that's a really good point. And, of course, like I said, I'm not going to be shocked if Ben comes back and he's fine and nothing's wrong with it and there's just like – they're all of a sudden the class of the division again. I'm not going to be, like, shocked if that happens. Um, but, I mean, I can't really knock you that much. I'm saying third. So, saying third to fourth, you know, it's not like I'm like, there, we're winning the division. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so, I mean, like, you're not far off. I just don't know if I see. For sure. I feel like this is still, I mean, Joe Burrow didn't get even get a full season. He's going to be meshing in with rookies and young talent. Hendrickson that we're talking about, we'll see if he can really be the guy. Now that he has pegged the guy, there's a lot more pressure on him than – then there was in New Orleans when he was bar- breaking out and busting out. So we'll just see if that team is ready to take that step. I could see them sure. taking that step next year after they get these hiccups out of the way. That's kind of how sure. I project things. Uh, okay. I've talked about it a lot of times. So I just don't know if this is the year yet, though. I just love that I've lost a bet on the Browns and you've lost a bet on the Browns. And here we are both agreeing on the Cleveland Browns. Uh had Let's to just eventually. Yeah, right. Let's wrap it up real quick. We got a couple of answers from Instagram right here. Uh, I did post who we thought the divisional winners were. Uh, we have our Dallas correspondent, Mike Mika, said he thinks the Browns win the division, but the Ravens will be right there. He says the Packers easy if Aaron is there, but maybe even without. So he's kind of aligned with us. My mom at Freedom Farms <laughs> at Freedom Farm Seven says she thinks the Lions win the NFC North. So, if if you're in on right now, just bet the Lions ten bucks right now because why not, right? <laughs> Maybe Jared Goff becomes the quarterback that we all thought he was when he led teams to the Super Bowl. Regardless, anything else you got, my friend? Uh, why didn't you read the other answer on Instagram? I don't wait. Am I missing an answer? Let me look at this. Hold on, is it like in the story? Because all I see right now is oh wait, no, there's a third one. It is by G-Labs, and it's the Roughnecks. <laughs> Dallas <Dude>. Roughnecks. <laughs> Dallas Roughnecks. Yeah, that's my pick. 
They're going to do great. Yeah. So, you know, I uh, I hope this, this episode works out because it was fun to be back, my friend. Yeah, it was fun to be back. Obviously, I don't know if we'll do it next week or if in a week or two. Obviously, I said I wanted to start early in case things got in the way. Um, I think we might be able to do, you know, Sundays or Mondays in the next episode. But regardless, happy to be back. Simultaneous Catch. Please follow us at Instagram is just at Simultaneous Catch. Uh, don't have Twitter anymore. Facebook is still Simultaneous Catch as well. Uh, please follow us, like us. We like to answer questions. So if you want to send us a question, we will answer. Uh, it has happened in the past, believe it or not. Uh, we're growing, obviously, with Jocelyn, West Virginia. Me with my move as well. Uh, still hoping to have a pretty productive podcast. Anything else you have, my friend? Hey, everybody. Like I said, it's just good to be back uh, as we are entering the summer. Just uh, stay cool, stay smart, make good decisions, make Adam Rossi proud, everybody. <laughs> God bless, everybody.